Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Her sons told me she was born to sing, she was born to perform. There was always music in the house. They might not have often had food or, you know, heating, but there was always music playing. Writer Jeff Mesh. They recalled she would take a speaker and run it outside, and she would perform as Aretha, and everyone in the neighbourhood would come and gather around the house and watch her perform. It was like going to a local Aretha Franklin concert, and they said that she was her happiest when she was singing, no matter what was going on in her, in her personal life, in her private life, it seemed that whenever she was singing, she just seemed happy. Mary Jane Jones was a member of a church gospel choir called The Great Gate in her hometown of West Petersburg, Virginia. And they would tour around America performing in churches all across the country. In 1969... Mary Jones was 27 years old. She was a single mother, and she had three young children at home. And she sang at church, but she also had a secret double life, performing in local nightclubs to, to earn some extra money. When Motown music emerged, it, it wasn't accepted by the church. They thought it was sinful. Um, some of the lyrics were a bit too risque. Um, so it wasn't, she would have to perform under a different name. She performed under, under Vicky Jones. And these clubs were thought to be non-church-going places. Yes, houses of sin, drinking, dancing, sometimes violence. Um, you wouldn't want to be caught there um, by other members of the parish. Mary Jones wore costumes and a wig so no one would recognize her, she was paid $10 a night. And what was she like as a singer? I mean, was it clear that this woman had great talent? It, it was clear to everyone who heard her sing in church and in the clubs that she had incredible talent. And what people noticed most of all is that Mary Jones sounded just like Aretha Franklin. She'd modeled her voice on Aretha. She would listen to the Aretha's records. Um, she taught herself to sing by listening to Aretha. So she was so convincing as, as Aretha, uh, she would get mistaken for the real Queen of Soul. 
I think Aretha Franklin was a role model for so many women in, in that culture because she'd made it. She was scouted in a church. She'd been spotted singing gospel and had gone on to become an incredible success, you know, uh, gold, platinum records, Grammys. Um, she had all the trappings of success, the, the limousines, the, the fancy frocks. Um, she was a, a superstar. Uh, on the front cover of all the magazines. And we know that um, Mary Jones would subscribe to Jet magazine, which was the huge magazine uh, back then, a handbag-sized magazine, and Aretha was often on the cover. And I think Mary Jones aspired to be just like Aretha. Mary Jones would often perform in Motown tribute acts, performing Aretha Franklin's songs, she was doing this one night in January 1969 at a club called The Pink Garter in Richmond, Virginia. She was backed by the house band, The Rivernets. So she's in there doing her show. She's uh, banging out respect. Everyone's going crazy. And there's another impersonator on, on the bill that night. So it's not just Aretha Franklin. There's, there's another impersonator who is doing James Brown. And this guy is Lavelle Hardy. He's a 24-year-old hairdresser from New York. And when he's not cutting hair, he's performing as James Brown across the country. He takes one look at Mary Jones and sees those dollar signs. He thinks she's incredible. And uh, he was earning a lot more money than, than Mary Jones. He was earning 200 a night. She was probably earning, you know, 10 bucks. And so he thought, he had an idea, I'm going to take Mary Jones on the road, make some money. Take her on the road as Mary Jones? Well, he had a better idea than that. He thought he would take her on the road and tell everyone that she was the real Aretha. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. What did she think of this idea? She didn't know. So Hardy tricked Mary Jones. He told her that he was booking the opening act for the real Aretha Franklin, and he promised her $1,000 for six shows in Florida. She'd never been paid that amount of money in, in her life. She'd never seen that amount of money in her life. So. She, she went for it. Um, she even had to borrow the bus fare. She, she decided to take a risk and leave her sons at home and go and perform uh, for these six shows and open for the real Aretha. That was how Hardy got her on board. I mean, this must have seemed, well, it was the first time she was, I think, traveling so far away from home, but this must have seemed like a very exciting opportunity. She must have been thrilled. And the money would have seen, seemed to her like it was the answer to all of her problems, the answer to all of her prayers. As soon as Mary Jones arrived in Florida, Lavelle Hardy told her the truth, that she was not going to be opening for Aretha Franklin. She was going to be performing as Aretha Franklin. Did they look similar? They looked similar enough, but what you've got to remember is that this is 1969. Not everyone had televisions. Um, you only recognised your favourite performer by their voice. 
or if you'd gone to see them live. Um, so many people would have listened to Aretha Franklin and only seen her in pictures on in Jet magazine. And this wasn't just done, you know, at, here in, in the United States. I mean, this was at that time a rather common practice of, of passing off impersonators as the real thing because because of this lack of television, lack of our ability to, to look up what this person actually looked like. There was a huge wave of impersonators at this time. It was this kind of magical moment just before everyone got television sets in their front rooms where there were dozens of fake acts on the road at any given time. You could go and see the fake Temptations, for example. Um, no one really knew what their heroes looked like. So, for example, back in 1955, James Brown and Little Richard had the same agent. And sometimes when Little Richard was double booked, they'd make James Brown fill in. Uh, they were interchangeable, um, except for one night in Alabama when the crowd figured it out. And uh, James Brown reportedly had to do uh, a lot of backflips to, <laughs> to win them over. When Lavelle Hardy arrived in Florida, he started calling local promoters. He told them that while Aretha Franklin normally got paid $20,000 a night, she was planning on doing a run of shows for $7,000 a night in cash. Um, and these, these people fell for it. Jeff Mache says that one promoter even offered to provide a detective for security and offered a car to use. But there is a problem. Mary Jones refused to go along with Lavelle Hardy's plan. And that caused a real problem, because Hardy told her that if she didn't cooperate, she'd be in a lot of trouble. And then he threatened to throw her in the bay. And whether he knew it or not, that was her greatest fear, was being thrown in into water. She couldn't swim and she had this terrible fear of drowning. Um, reportedly, he, he said to her, your body can be easily disposed of in the water. And this, this must have been a shock to her because she thought that she was being brought to perform and make money. And, and, and he had never shown himself to be angry or violent to her before or threatening. I think his entire personality changed as soon as they got to Florida and he, he became incredibly threatening. And he told her very firmly, you are Aretha Franklin. Was she dressed up as Aretha Franklin? What did they do to her appearance? So Lavelle Hardy brought with him this yellow floor-length gown, very typical of something that the real Aretha might have worn, but I guess it was a lot cheaper. And he brought a wig and he'd get her in really heavy stage makeup. And, um, you know, from, from a distance, you know, in a, in a nightclub from quite far away, you would be convinced it was the real Aretha. And her voice was that good? It was incredible. She uh, blew the roof off, apparently. We'll be right back. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. 
you earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Support for Criminal comes from Factor. After a long day at work, sometimes the most convenient dinner option is ordering takeout. But if you make a habit of it, it can get pricey. Factor offers restaurant-quality, ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your doorstep. Factor's meals are both nutritious and tasty, and you can choose from more than 35 different options weekly. They have a variety of meal types to fit your needs, too, like keto, calorie-smart, vegan, and veggie, and more, with plenty of delicious add-ons also. I've tried Factor meals myself. Lately, I've enjoyed their shredded chicken taco bowl and Thai-roasted vegetable green curry. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. You can also pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash Phoebe50 and use code Phoebe50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next box. That's code Phoebe50 at factormeals.com slash Phoebe50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Lavelle Hardy booked another show for Mary Jones as Aretha Franklin. People were really pleased no one really suspected a thing. Um, in fact, they, you know, Lavelle Hardy thought, well, oh, this is going so well, we should probably think about booking some bigger gigs. What would happen when the show was over at night? Well, as soon as the show was over, Lavelle Hardy would, would spirit Mary away. He didn't want anyone to get a close-up look at her. Um, you know, he would bundle her into a car and drive her to a cheap motel lock the door, and uh, as she told it, he'd feed her a couple of hamburgers and they would get ready for the next gig. So he wasn't paying her after every show? He'd promised to, to pay her, but at the end. So she didn't have any cash. And uh, she had no way to get home. Remember, she'd borrowed the bus fare to get down there. So she wouldn't have been able to get the bus home if she tried. She didn't have the money. And uh, you've got to remember, this was an incredibly hostile time. Uh, 1969, in, in the South, this, was, this would not be the place for uh, a young African-American woman to be out on her own looking for help. Lavelle Hardy booked a show at the Hi-Hat Club in Fort Myers, a 1,400-seat venue, Tickets sold for $5.50. They sold out. So uh, this was things were getting out of control. Uh, this, was, uh, this was a bigger crowd. I wonder what it must have been like for, for Mary Jones to, to be getting these standing ovations and to be getting people just on their feet who loved her so much. And it was for her voice, but they didn't think that they were... They thought that they were applauding for someone else. It must have been very conflicting because all this time she dreamed of leading the life that Aretha Franklin was leading, 
performing to sell out crowds, wearing these incredible dresses and getting standing ovations. And it, it must have been very hard to achieve all that, but know that really you were masquerading as, as someone else, that you didn't deserve it. And I think by then she realised that she wanted to be herself. She wanted to perform as, as Mary Jones or Vicky Jones, as she called herself. She wanted to have success on, on her own terms. And was he more confident about booking larger audiences because the reactions had been so great from the previous audiences, the smaller crowds had loved her? Yeah, the smaller crowds had fallen for it and he'd earned a lot of money and I think he got greedy and he wanted a big score. And uh, Lavelle Hardy had booked the Southeastern Livestock Pavilion, which is a, a huge venue. 4,200 seats, normally reserved for cattle shows, cattle auctions. And uh, this was going to be a big event. The, the promoters had printed up Aretha Franklin posters. They'd stuck the posters up all over town. DJs were talking about it in the local area. And uh, it, it, it was going to be probably one of the biggest shows of the year. When word started to spread about Aretha Franklin's show in Ocala, someone else found out about it. The real Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin had discovered that there was something going on in the South. She'd taken a trip down to Miami and heard that she was performing. Uh, And of course she knew she wasn't. She was actually on vacation. So... Her attorneys, Aretha Franklin's attorneys, um, started making calls and got through to the uh, a local prosecutor uh, nearby, a guy called uh, Gus Musley, who was a bit of a showman himself. And he, he, he was told that um, the shows were fake. This was a fake Aretha Franklin. Um, and this was news to Musley because he had two tickets to the show. I mean, I guess that's the problem, right? If you're playing in little clubs, it's easier to pass off that you're Aretha Franklin. But if you're if you're booking four thousand seat theaters, it's it's someone's going to say, "Wait a second, who is?" I mean, that's the risk. That's the things with scams, though, isn't it? They always get out of control. Uh, (laughs) That's how we come to hear about them. Uh, Scams usually start out small and you make a little bit of money and then you either take your money and, uh, you know, go quietly away or most people get greedy and they will do it until they get caught. So what happened next? Well, then the police got involved and uh, two local investigators, two local cops, decided to investigate and uh, track down this fake Aretha Franklin and find out what was going on. The two investigators, Tolls Bigelow and Martin Stevens, were from the Marion County Sheriff's Office. They found out that Lavelle Hardy had booked nine shows with Mary Jones by this point. And these two cops tracked them down pretty easily. I I spoke to one of them, Martin Stevens, who uh, has his own incredible uh, rock and roll Uh, stories, uh, having guarded Elvis Presley. Martin Stevens told Jeff Mache that he arrested Mary Jones and Lavelle Hardy at Ocala's Club Valley Nightclub, 
as they were getting ready for a show. Lavelle Hardy was charged with false advertising, and his bond was set at $500. Mary Jones said she wasn't trying to make people believe she was Aretha Franklin, saying, quote, I'm not her, I don't look like her, I don't dress like her, and I sure don't have her money. They were both taken to the, the station, fingerprinted, thrown in the cells. One local paper published an article with the headline, Phony Soul Sister Found Out. The Hi-Hat Club owner said, quote, Some people who'd seen Aretha before said that that wasn't her, but nobody was real sure, and nobody asked for their money back. They weren't angry. It was a pretty good show anyway. Mary Jones swore up and down that she'd been uh, kidnapped, that, you know, it wasn't her, it wasn't her fault. She was forced to perform. Um, the prosecutor wanted to, wanted to hear Mary Jones sing. Uh, he was curious to know if she was convincing. This all takes place in the courthouse. And Gus Musley, the prosecutor, calls... Mary Jones into the into the courtroom and asks her to sing. And she does, she performs. And everyone's blown away. He thought she was, quote, terrific, and said she showed a distinctive style of her own. And what did he decide to do? He let her off. He believed her. He said, quote, it was obvious she was a victim. So Lavelle Hardy's be- he he's he's still in jail. Lavelle Hardy's in jail. They uh, they find him with seven thousand bucks on him when he's arrested. His profits from the shows. It's quite a lot of money in 1969. That's about just under fifty thousand dollars today. And uh, he gave most of that to an attorney, a local attorney. And uh, the attorney convinced the prosecutor to to let him go too. But he was told to beat it, you know, get out of get out of Florida. She was still broke at this point, huh? I mean, she was still she might have been let off, but she was still kind of stuck. She was stuck, but there was somebody waiting outside the courtroom for her that would change her life forever. So as soon as she leaves the courthouse, there's a man waiting for her. He's a gentleman called Ray Green. He's uh, a Jacksonville entrepreneur and a lawyer who'd been following her story, because, of course, it made the newspapers fake Aretha Franklin arrested. And he offered her a contract, and he gave her $500 as a cash advance um, because he wanted to take her on tour. He wanted to be her, her agent and advisor. He wanted to take her on a, on a nationwide tour because he, he thought there was so much interest in her. This must have... I mean, I wonder at this point whether she was happy about this news or whether all she could be at this point was sceptical about another man coming in saying, I'm going to make you a big star. I think Ray Green was incredibly impressive. He was a millionaire, very successful man, self-made. The $500 cash advance, I think, went some way to prove that he was real. Um, and he was, he was a good guy. Um, I think his promises 
seemed realistic. He wanted to take her on the road as herself. He wanted her to perform as as Mary Jones. And um, life would never be the same again. We'll be right back. Mary Jones went back to West Petersburg. She found out that Duke Ellington had heard about her. And a few weeks later, she went back to Florida for one of his shows. Duke Ellington invited her onto stage at a show, um, introduced her as the woman who made headlines just two weeks earlier, and uh, they performed together. She sang Every Day I Have the Blues. She wore the same yellow evening gown she had worn when she was performing as Aretha Franklin in Fort Myers. But this time, she didn't wear a wig. Was she accepted as herself? I mean, were people disappointed that she wasn't singing Respect anymore? Or or was she able to be thought of as her own artist, finally? This was the beginning of what um, Duke Ellington had planned for her. He told her, you know, you've got to, you've got to be yourself now. And he even offered to write some songs specifically for her to to record. Um, she wanted to, she wanted to perform as as herself. Now this was an, a new chapter. She felt ready to write her own songs and her own music. She told the reporter, "I want to do songs strictly about me." how I got started, and how I love. Everything I write will be based on my life. I think people will be interested. And did she? I mean, tell me about some of the things that happened to her when she started to perform. So she went on the road. She flew in jets for the first time. Uh, She performed in Chicago and Las Vegas. And she gave interviews to the newspapers. She said she wanted to be famous, but she said, in my own style, I've got my own bag. The way I feel is that people can buy Aretha for Aretha and they can buy Vicky Jane for Vicky Jane. Did, did Aretha Franklin ever say anything about, about her? So there was a whole media spectacle caused by this. So eventually Aretha Franklin heard the story and in an interview with Jet, she defended her. She said that it was Lavelle Hardy who ought to be prosecuted, not uh, not that girl. So she was um, she was pro Mary Jones. Mary Jones performing as Vicky Jones toured all over the country in bigger and bigger venues. Well, of course, when she's on these tours, she's earning so much money, more money than she's ever seen. And she performs in all these awesome locations. But of course, people really only want her to sing Aretha songs, because that's what made her famous. So, you know, they wanted her to sing Respect. They, you know, she wasn't given time to write her own songs or perform as herself. You know, people just wanted to see the Aretha act. And I think for a time that was successful, but it was, it was very limiting. And I think, I think Duke Ellington said something like this, she needs to break out of the Aretha thing. And she just wasn't able to. And 
probably nor did she want to because she was earning up to $1,500 a night doing, doing Aretha. So she just stopped performing? Well, she, she did a year of touring and then she went back to her hometown to, to do a show there. And she was eating at a restaurant in West Petersburg and her two little sons ran into the dining room. And uh, this was an adults-only restaurant, so the waiters were trying to grab them. But it was, it was one of these moments where she realised that she'd lost sight of her, her role as a mother. Um, her sons had gone back to live with the, the ex-husband who told them that she was never coming back. Um, Gregory, her son Gregory told me that he couldn't bear to listen to Aretha songs on the radio. When, when Aretha songs would come on, he'd change the channel. And that moment with her sons in this restaurant was life-changing. And she realised that she, she wanted to quit and she never performed again. She stayed in West Petersburg and raised her children. In 2018, Jeff Mache published his reporting on Vicki Jones in the Smithsonian Magazine in a piece called The Counterfeit Queen of Soul. Tell me about her sons. What, what did they have to say about, about their mother? When... Gregory finally agreed to talk about his mother. He was so emotional and so happy that someone had uh, finally called him because he'd obviously been telling this story to friends and people over the, over the decades and um, people wouldn't believe it. Um, no one had kind of spoken to the local cops or the prosecutor and told this story in full for the first time and he was, he was really grateful he... This was published in the Smithsonian magazine and he he went into his local book bookstore and, and bought up all the copies and was showing people I think he showed the person at the cash register his picture in the in the magazine. He was just thrilled to have this story told for the first time. I'm sure and to see your mother get the recognition she deserved. I mean I, I know she had her moment, but but to see her for her own right, not just the Aretha Franklin imposter. Yeah, the, uh, he... Uh, her sons told me that she wanted to be Aretha so much, but they always saw her for who she was. You know, she was mum. And they remember her dancing and singing in the kitchen. But it wasn't because she was doing Aretha. They just loved being around their mum, you know. What did you... What do you like about her story? I mean, I just, I don't know, what did you learn about this woman through talking to all these people? It's not the old cliche that if, uh, you know, if only you could be yourself, life would be so much better. You know, stop trying to be someone else. I think it does show that even if you're put into the most impossible scenarios, being kidnapped, forced to perform... If you're honest and true to yourself, then good things can come out of terrible situations. And I think that was true for her. In March of 1969, Jet Magazine reported that a woman in Richmond, Virginia, 
was doing a brisk business, pretending to be Vicky Jones. I write a lot about um, imposters. And I've noticed this a lot. Whenever an imposter's really good, the imposter gets their own imposter. It's like a copy of a copy, a facsimile. And um, as you know about copies of copies, they, they tend to not be very good. And uh, so, of course, after all these headlines, there were Vicky Jones or Mary Jones impersonators on tours around America being introduced as the fake Aretha Franklin that everyone's talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's like a, a weird hall of mirrors, isn't it? Criminal is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, Lily Clark, Lena Sillison, and Megan Kinane. Our technical director is Rob Byers. Engineering by Russ Henry. Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode of Criminal. You can see them at thisiscriminal.com. If you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review. It means a lot. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Criminal Show and Instagram at Criminal underscore podcast. And we're also on YouTube, where you can go back and take a listen to some of our favorite past episodes. That's at youtube.com slash criminal podcast. Criminal is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. <laughs>